Hey, what's up? It's Hydroberg, a cut above horror review. This week, we'll be closing out our creepy children month with the 2002 classic The Ring with special guest Justin, a.k.a. Soju, from the Straight Chillin' Podcast. So listen up and be prepared to be visited by a supernatural reach-around. Your seven days starts now. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing the film The Ring from 2002. But before we do that, let's meet everybody else on the show. First, a big welcome back to our buddy Soju or Justin from the Straight Chilling Podcast. What's up, Justin? Oh, what up? It's your boy Soju. Thanks for having me back, guys. This is number three or four I've been on. I think three. Right? Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah so that range. Three or four. This, range, I think this is yeah. the first film that you've been on that doesn't deal with a uh, seasonal uh Yeah. Thing. Yeah, because I, I did on Christmas. Christmas. The Christmas one, Christmas Evil, Evil and then it was... Um, a Halloween... Was it Sleepy Hollow? We had you on Sleepy Hollow. Ah, Sleepy Hollow, had you on yeah. For, um, yeah. Summer Camp also. Mm-hmm. This is our spring watch, you know. I sleep white camp. The, te- the teal colors right. of spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Classic. The, yeah. the sickly green colors. Of <laughs> yeah. The April showers. There's a lot of rain. Yeah. Creates moss, uh-huh. don't you know? Yeah. It's it's in <laughs> Seattle or something like that. You know, it, it just is. always yeah. looks teal. <laughs> Coincidentally, so is Joey right now. Oh, is he in Seattle? Yeah. Actually, I don't think this is near Seattle at all, but. (laughs) No, it is. Is it? It, Oh, shit. I just like pulled that out of my ass. I was like, okay, damn. Wow. I think the the cityscape shots in this movie are in Seattle. And then the kind Uh, of like rural shots are in like Oregon and some surrounding, but it's still in the Pacific Northwest. So. Damn, I should have kept my mouth shut. It looked like a genius. Yeah, because she works with Seattle newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Anyway, and last but not least, we got Hydraberg. What's up, Hydraberg? What's going on, guys? The juice is loose. I'm I'm glad to see you back on the show, man. Glad you can make yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. I'm glad I it worked the, out. I think the reason I thought you'd only been on twice before is that I think I missed the sleepaway camp episode. No, I don't think so. You missed a oh. uh, one or two of Bob's appearances. That might be what you're thinking yeah. of. I think you were on sleepaway camp. Oh, oh, and that's Sleepy right. Hollow the, was a oh, last minute right. addition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I must yeah. be doing too, and then we uh, ended up doing Sleepy Hollow last minute, and Soju joined us for that one. Okay, oh, yeah. yes, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, so I've missed like, like three addition. of Bob's appearances. It's gonna it's look a... like I'm avoiding him. <laughs> you hate Bob. We get it. Uh, that's what happens with me and Nicole. Nicole always seems to be like my villain. And so yeah. I'm always like, do I actually get to cast with Nicole a lot? <laughs> no. When, if it, no. If you're going to rank villains, man, Nicole is like, so yeah, just, she could just, yeah. she hits the ground running on any show. She's our, our rock solid fill in. But unfortunately, you know, it's like when I'm away. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess Bob is my fill. It takes Bob to fill my shoes. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, host he is the host, host of you know, Straight Chillin', yeah. So, yeah. He's the he's the counterpart on Straight Chillin'. He's my counterpart. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. How are you doing, Jacqueline? I'm okay. How's how's your week been, Hydraberg? Uh, it's not too bad. Not too bad. I saw John Wick four the other day. In nice. Yeah. It's What'd a long think? movie, but holy, it blows your fucking socks off as far as action films go. Everybody's creaming their shorts over that one. It's, I'm excited. I like John some, Wick. Yeah, it's got some crazies. It, 
crazy scenes uh, and yeah. just cinematography and lighting are just like phenomenal in that film. And they're good in all the films, but this one, they just, they hit a level where it's just like, holy shit. I just can't next. If they made one more movie, he'd be fighting in like side, uh, a, like out of a plane while he jumped out of a plane or inside in a volcano. Space. Just, yeah. Like <laughs> I just don't know what else they can do to this guy to yeah. put into the ringer, you know? Yeah. Cool. You know who likes those movies is my mom, which I think is adorable. Oh, really? yeah. I would almost say she really I like them. them. I know you don't like action movies, Jacqueline, but they're I, so. I don't. I don't done. dislike them. They just have to yeah, be. Yeah, like, not your you know, enter- They have to be entertaining, you know. But these are like some of the best, like choreographed action, like scenes that you can get, at least in American films. I saw the first John Wick and really liked it. Oh, you it. did. Yeah. yeah, like I like so I like the classics. Um. I, I'm pretty sure you would call this an action movie, but like I love True Lies. Oh, I love True Lies. That's like mm. an all-time favorite. Yeah, um, I really like Die Hard. Um, oh, cool. I don't know. I you know what I was trying to get Joey to watch with me over the weekend is Lethal Weapon, which I've never seen. You never uh, seen Lethal Weapon? That's a classic. The first two to three, I, the first two especially are really good. Yeah, I like um, I like uh, Mission Impossible. I like James Bond movies. Are those action movies? I like James Bond. I actually fun? just yeah, watched sure. a bunch of those. I watched Skyfall, mm. uh, Spectre, good. and No Time to Die because G Baby's covering all those James Bond films like once a month or something like that on Waxing yeah. the Porpoise. So I kind of wanted to freshen up. I hadn't seen those. Um, I saw Skyfall and then I hadn't seen the last two. They're yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think I like action films. I don't know why you think all right, I yeah, like it's certain action films, I guess. Give me a reputation here. Well, you have mentioned before that some certain action things, I guess maybe if they're not done well and they drag a little bit, you get or if little, it's just like all action and it's just never ending with like no story or character, then I can't deal with it. But if there's like mm. good story behind it and good characters, um, then I'm I'm all in. I'll tell you the genre. I'm going to get some hate for this. The genre that just blanket statement I really don't care for is Westerns. Mm, okay. Mm. I just I yeah, they haven't. So well, yeah. To be fair, they They're haven't not fair a lot like lately. So the ones mm. that you can reference are super like old and dated. So yeah, I like a lot of the modern ones, but I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with all the really old ones, to be honest. Have you seen Bone Tomahawk, Jacqueline? No. Oh, we damn. should cover that. You gotta watch Bone Tomahawk. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a good blend of horror and mm. uh, western. Well, it's, it's an excellent title, movie. so that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> do it yeah and that title pays off okay that was that was gonna be my porn name if i ever went into porn <laughs> boner tomahawk yeah, yeah. hydro hydrobone <laughs> hydrobone tomahawk no that's epic cut that's off one there. boner and six more up here yeah oh my god damn that wow that's a lot yeah I don't That's, know where those are coming from. I don't know how to segue. Or where actually. they're going. <laughs> <laughs> I know where they're going, but. <laughs> oh, my God. But how? How is the question? <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, how's your week been, Soju? Um, pretty good so far. It's what is it? It's like two. Uh, it's Tuesday for me. So early, uh, but good. Um, it's a spring season. No teal here in Seoul, but um nice flowers getting out in the sunshine finally i don't deal very well with winter especially like korean winters 
So I feel like I've escaped some sort of like seasonal prison when spring shows up. I'm like running through the streets, arms flailing, like, thank God there's some sunshine. So Dude, American I'm, I'm having a good week. I'm having a good week. <laughs> running, through soul. <laughs> running through the streets of Seoul gleefully <laughs> prancing about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, pretty good week so far. Yeah. So you probably don't have that. I mean, when you were living in Florida, it's like you don't really have that experience because winter is pretty. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's like gentle, you have a so couple you... days where you got to wear a hoodie or something. Yeah. So you don't have that <laughs> intense feeling of relief when spring starts. You're just like, yeah. OK, it's hot again. Yeah. And yeah. And it doesn't Nothing like kind of ramp up in a mild way. It's just like, oh, one day it was 30. Now it's 89. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad spring has sprung for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, um, Soju, do you want to tell people a little bit about your podcast just in case there's like one yeah. listener out there who has no <laughs> yeah. idea who you are because we talk about y'all all the time? Sure. I am probably the most important host of the Straight <laughs> Chilling <laughs> podcast. Hydroberg laughed of, uproariously. <laughs> one, one of three. Um, and yeah, we do weekly horror movie reviews. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we have been doing that for a long time now. This is our ninth year. So we have quite the back catalog. Damn. And then, my God. Yeah. And then we have some YouTube stuff as well. I've been doing a little spinoff series where I do like horror adjacent films. So I just dropped episode number six on that one, covering the fifth element with Logan from Ghoulish University. Shouts out. Um, so, yeah, um, that's me. That's what I do. You guys have hit it, hit the big time now. You have advertising on your show. See, yeah, that's a weird thing. I don't, I, for some reason, I use Spotify and it doesn't show up in Korea. Oh, really? I don't know why. So I'm like immune. It's localized I too, I believe, because I don't oh, think really? that's getting, yeah, the advertisements aren't the same for everybody. I see. Maybe there's no Korean advertisers for Spotify or something. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I guess so. Cool. Good for you guys. <laughs> Damn, nine years. I have to say that is formidable. Like that's yeah, intimidating uh, as a silly. podcaster, like to be like, oh man, these people have been doing it for nine years. Like we'll never be that yeah. good. <laughs> it's like Bob sent me. Well, no, I mean, just give it some time. <laughs> it's there's give no it good seven more it. years. It's just coasting. <laughs> but Bob sent me something the other day that was I was referencing the podcast, and I said, yeah, we're like you know four years in, and I was like, good god, <laughs> yeah, that was five years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, I no, mean, there's no good about it. It's yeah, it's just you go into an autopilot and <laughs> just show uh, up. Yeah, but you guys really do a great show. You've inspired literally all of your listeners, and that's why we all have podcasts too. And well, so that's great. That's uh, the best thing about it. Then, if if you're listening to this and you have not listened to Straight Chilling, get the to a podcasting. Uh, platform and find straight chilling because it is outstanding seriously yeah. so yep just in case you haven't heard us plug it a <laughs> zillion times before this is your gentle reminder. this is your first episode yes <laughs> yeah yeah maybe. maybe it could be last week <laughs> yeah, you was, never know you gotta week, treat every episode like it might be somebody's first yeah right? last week somebody uh sent us a message after our children of the corn episode and they're like hey, awesome. first time listener here i was like oh we we still get those okay Cool. Yeah. It's not that just the awesome. same like hundred people every week. You guys are uh, getting speaking, close to your hundredth. 
Whoa. We are. Yeah, we are. Woo. That's a uh, good speaking one. of the children of the corner, just real quick, I want to plug that uh, collaboration still that we did with Squirrels of Horror and Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Um, they they covered uh, Squirrels of Horror covered the third film and Give Me Back My Horror Movies covered the second film in the Children of Corn uh, series. I've dubbed it the Cornucopia collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was, it's very fun to do uh, to work together with those guys. And we hope to do something in the near future again. Yeah, it was a really cool idea. I I believe the idea originated with Steven it was all mine. from You're Spoils right. yeah. of Ho- Yes. Oh sorry. yeah, no, I'm sorry. Credit where credit's <laughs> due, Hyderberg. Um, that would be Steven, not you. Yeah, same one. <laughs> so Steven came up with it from Spoils of Horror. Um, I think it was a great idea to have three different podcasts who are all friends and friendly with each other, uh, cover three different films within uh, the same franchise and release them all in the same week. That was really fun and i think it's it's fun for listeners as well to be able to just boom 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 listen to three different shows cover each of those movies kind of in their own style yeah it's just so. been fun we have a group chat going on instagram where the three of our podcasts are able to talk about it and oh i'm sorry is that so yeah <laughs> cross promoting only only the important host huh? oh okay i guess so. no, the three podcasts themselves Maybe like ne- you can go on the instagram you have the sign in but john goes on there Really? You I don't know. went to the Facebook app. Yeah. <laughs> um, News to yeah. Jacqueline. Damn. We have to get Nate and uh, Charlie on the show soon. And I believe Pete is yes, like an very uh, new host now, too. So, mm-hmm. But at least uh, Charlie and Nate, we got to get them on here. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I, maybe I'll just let you guys take over. I'm a, I'm a little wounded here. <laughs> wounded? I'm a little wounded. I wasn't involved in this group chat. Damn. I apologize. There's a bunch of dick and fart jokes in there. That's all that it really is. Don't you know, Hyderberg? That's my forte. Yeah, yeah that's all Jack. You're missing out on my talents. About? I'll add you. That's what I'm known for. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you, kind of. Uh, all right. Well, you guys want to hear a little bit of horror news? Dude, hit sure. me with them. All right. Uh, have you guys, either of you or both of you, seen The Outwaters yet? I have. I have not. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, well, regardless, that's okay. This is still interesting news. Um, the Outwaters was kind of a buzzy found footage type of uh, horror movie recently. It's getting some comparisons to Blair Witch. Seems to be pretty polarizing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. In any case, it's now streaming on Screenbox, which is kind of the new horror streaming service. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the early days of Shudder, actually. Mm. Uh, I believe Screenbox a, is put out through by Bloody Disgusting. I I think so too. So it's, it's still in its 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 infancy. The selection yeah. isn't amazing yet, but you know Shudder started out like that, and it's grown to be pretty great. So maybe the same will happen for Screen for Screenbox. But um, in any case, they have also just released both a prequel and a sequel, kind of to the outwaters these are just little shorts not full-length movies uh but uh let's see if i can find a little description of them so it's the the prequel is called card zero and it's a little short film that's supposed to be like uh footage recovered from a memory card that police obtain from the home of the main character in the outwaters okay just a little slice of life it's a standalone thing but it kind of takes on a new meaning if you've already seen the movie The Outwaters, which I haven't, but so I'm not spoiling anything here. Um, little prequel there, footage from his um, video card. And then the sequel, kind of, not a sequel, like an epilogue, if you will, 
It's called file VL624, and it's supposed to be restored footage from all four of the main characters' memory cards from the Outwater. So it's like just extra footage. Basically, I think it adds some context, gives you some more character development and backstory. So if that's something you're interested in from uh, the Outwaters, then you get a little extra there. Uh, Justin, you guys actually, you guys did a mini cast on Outwaters uh, not too long ago. I think it was Randy and Bob. Yeah, yeah, that came out about a month ago. Yeah, um, so on our Patreon, we do like mini episodes that usually run around like in 20 to 30 minutes. And we try to do like newer stuff, but also like horse shows and stuff. And I have not listened to it because I haven't watched the movie. I intended to watch it, um, but I haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, and so, yeah, I haven't I haven't listened to it, but I don't even know what they think about it, honestly. I, I don't I know if they the liked movie. it or not. Uh-huh. I saw the movie on Screenbox when they released it, and I'll give you a hot take. I didn't really care for it. I think it's getting yeah. overhyped, to be honest. But that's just me. I think yeah, I think I heard like you and maybe G Baby talking yeah, about G-Baby it separately, like saying like he didn't like it either. But I actually have no idea what Randy and Rob think about it. He called it hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. not pleased with that movie. I know Randy. Yeah, he likes uh, found footage. I generally like found footage too, but um, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Well, moving on to our next news story. Um, I don't know if either of y'all are Walking Dead fans. I know Joey's watching the last season right now. There's going to be a spinoff show called The Walking. Which there is. I know. The Walking (laughs) Dead, Dead City, where. uh, Oh, my Lord. I don't even want to say who. Daryl Dixon, right? Well, I don't want to say any characters that are going to be on it because I don't want to spoil anything that's going on in season 10 of The Walking Dead right now. But Mm. the article says it, but I'm not going to repeat it. Um, Some of the characters surviving from the main show are going to be going to New York City. Oh, Oh, no. Yeah, that's a different show. That's a different spinoff. There's another spinoff with Daryl Dixon that's already been discussed. Like they've they've already came out and said it. Oh. Isn't okay. he going to like New Orleans Paris. or something? Oh, is it? Oh, uh, I don't know how the fuck he gets to Paris on a motorcycle, but he, <laughs> he somehow does. Just driving across the sea, yeah. my guy. Just driving my across like, the sea. Those are cool books. It's a cool story. There's some great characters and some really cool stories in there, but man, it's bloated that show. And they've just, mm. oh man, they've just fucking beaten that horse dead, to be honest. I gave so. up on it around season five, I think. I just got, I gave up at like, season like, seven. Eh. Wow, oh wow, you guys last longer than me. I I might have got to like early stages of five, maybe, but I went back recently and rewatched the first season because you it did. had been a long well, time. I liked it like when um you know I followed it all the way up, you know, season four or whatever. And it's good, but even rewatching season one, they always got to do that TV thing where it's like the, everything's got to be a goddamn cliffhanger. And when you yeah. have a season that's got like you know the first one's very short but eventually they get to seasons where there's like 20 something episodes like everything can't fucking be so dramatic all the goddamn time yeah right <laughs> it's exhausting and it's seasons. too much to, it's too much to keep up with and it makes yeah. things complicated. Yeah. and then there's like yeah. three different spinoffs now so it's just too much Oof, yeah that's a lot. oh so you guys already knew about some spinoffs but yeah this is the one i read about today it's supposed to be um two years after the events of the end of the main show uh, and some of the characters are traveling to post-apocalyptic Manhattan and the city is crumbling and it's just bad badness. So that's that's what's going on there. So if that sounds like fun to you, then that's what you should watch. Uh, it looks like the it's going to premiere sometime in 2024. So you can look forward to that. 
Uh, the last news story I've got is A24 Peacock and Brian Fuller, who created the Hannibal series. They're coming together to create the new Friday the 13th TV series. And it's going to be basically a prequel to the movie franchise. It's so, just called so. Crystal Lake, right? It's called Crystal Lake. Yep. And so that's going to be uh, also aiming for a 2024 premiere. Adrian King, the the infamous final girl from the first film, she's actually going to be involved with it with a in a recurring role. So that's oh. pretty cool, at least. Are they going to like de-age her? I don't know. If she's going to be playing her own okay. character or a different character, is yeah. what I would imagine. Like a counselor a or something. Yeah, yeah. or like Owner. maybe the camp director. Or, yeah, yeah, something like that. What network is it going to be on? It's Peacock. Peacock. Mm. So yeah. okay, so Peacock is that. If NBC. they make a show for Peacock, they don't have to worry about like yeah the um the issues that they would have to do with putting a show on regular NBC like with um you know restrictions as far as right. rating. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of like free range there when you're on one of the like paid streaming services. I mean, because it's, yeah, oh, it's really? hmm. Friday Thirteenth. I want to see some gore, some good gore. I want to see yeah. maybe some nudity. I have a feeling that there will be gore and nudity. And yeah. well, and here's the kicker for me: it's like I don't know how this is possible, but somehow collectively with a24 and peacock they're able to use any and all existing elements from the franchise which oh, hasn't, hasn't that been a problem everything. but hasn't yeah. that been a problem for like people trying to make sequels and remakes that like you it can't use been. jason in the name what shut down the game and stuff yeah yeah i think yeah, that lawsuit has finally been wrapped I up i think it got settled <clears throat> oh, yeah it did but also, also it could be because it's a prequel that there's like some kind of weird thing where licensing wise they're mm. able to do something beforehand or like yeah, i don't know yeah. i don't know those all those little loopholes legal loopholes are weird to me anyway and Maybe i don't know like enough the about the show where they don't use the mask <laughs> is that what happened on the show i think so i think they had really? a stream show but they weren't allowed to use the no ghost, ghost face face? mask That's i don't know what cheesy. they did <laughs> yeah well, yeah, so this says that um, the, this new series can use any and all elements from the Friday the 13th franchise. So it's okay. fa- everything's fair game. So We're going that's back kind of hard- to space. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. We've all been waiting <laughs> to return to space. So, yeah, so if that sounds exciting, that's something you can look forward to. Um, you know, you've got people who are involved in the original. I think they've got one of the original producers from the first film who's going to be working on this or something like that. So it's got some some holdover talent from what was that, like 40, 43 years ago. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It gives, it gives it some credibility, I think. I just can't see story wise what they're gonna do with it, but I mean it's eight twenty four. I'll give it a I'll give it a shot. Yeah, that's a th- it's weird to think about Friday the Thirteenth within that realm of a couple things: the A twenty four realm and also yeah. the television show realm yeah. because it's not it's never has been a story driven franchise (laughs) that's not what it's about it doesn't have a lot of deep lore there's not a lot of reoccurring characters everybody pretty much dies eventually so it's that that's not yeah that's weird oh the one through line is jason but he's not established before the first movie yet so yeah weird yeah. Well, maybe this will do it. Maybe this will establish him, and we'll f- we'll learn maybe all about surviving in all the about woods little... or something. I don't know. Maybe Daddy Voorhees. <laughs> maybe it's know. about the gas station attendant or the the 
the guy. Oh. <laughs> Can't blood, ain't ya? Oh, yeah. God. Or maybe the truck driver who gives her a ride. I don't know. It's really just a like show set near a camp. It has nothing. There. Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing to do with anything. Just like just a just drama. people who live in the town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a Castle Rock show. Having affairs and regular old bullshit. <laughs> it's a soap opera. Is really what yeah. it is. That's mm-hmm. okay. So I'm looking forward to the new soap opera, Crystal Lake. Yes. All right. All right. You guys ready to talk about the ring? Yes, let's I'm, do it. I'm beside myself with excitement, so let's just get into it. <laughs> All right, Hyderberg, this was your pick to round out our creepy children month. This was the last week of our themed month. I'm sad to say goodbye to a theme, but won't you tell us why you chose the ring? I chose it for you, Jacqueline. I did it for you. Now, um, I did. Uh, I chose it because a while back I was watching the ring. Um, I bought it on disc and um, I was watching it and just like, I'm like, man, this is like like one of the best creepy kid films, you know what I mean? In a long time, um, in the past like 20 something years, just uh, Aiden himself is so- sort of creepy as far as a character goes. And then Samara is just like one of the, the best, like creepy children um, in cinema. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, that would make for a cool theme. And we were looking to do some themes at that point. Um, and I was just like, I asked you guys like, hey, what about a creepy children theme? And so I was, I was like, well, I got to slide, I got to slide the ring in there because that that was the inspiration. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm really glad you did. I think it would be, um, we would be remiss not to include the ring in a creepy children. This month, is a classic. So. This is this film is old enough now that we can call it a classic. Yeah, I would definitely call it a modern classic. Yeah, yeah. Twenty, yeah, twenty one years removed. I yeah. mean, if you yeah. think about like growing up in the 90s, that's, you know, that's when you were thinking about like Halloween's and yeah, Friday yeah. the 13th and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, fellas, shall we decide whether this movie fucks or sucks? Uh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hyderberg, it's your pick. Why don't you start us off? Okay, sure. Um, so for me, yeah, this is a fuck that you want to videotape and then show it to everyone over and over again. I <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty clever that's pretty clever i like it justin what say you uh this is kind of like you know this is a pg-13 fuck um you know it's uh <laughs> it like doesn't give you like the full like experience i think i think it is like it's like a sex scene that you would see in a pg-13 movie let me go ahead and clarify that it's um <laughs> You know, it doesn't give you all the frills. It just it gives you enough, I think, to tease and kind of tantalize you. But in some ways, it does kind of leave me wanting a, a bit. Mm. So it's kind of like a little over the clothes action. Yeah, kind of like R-rate, not in full R-rated. Kind of everybody's always got the sheets completely over them. You know, there's just, <laughs> you kind of like see a little motion going, but you're not getting the full thing. You know, I f- I feel like this movie kind of skirts some of the more important horror aspects in my opinion interesting i cannot wait to hear what those are yeah (laughs) you've piqued my curiosity Mm -hmm. uh well to kind of do a little takeoff on what you just said Mm -hmm. i agree that there's a little like tantalizing here but i would argue that sometimes there's something to be said for the excitement and anticipation of a little over the clothes, having a sheet <laughs> kind oh, of yeah, action. Yeah. Sometimes that can be the most exciting type of fuck of all. So I'm going to say this movie totally 
fucking fucks. Period. Nice. All right. Hydroberg, do you want to hit us with that spoiler warning before giving us Absolutely. the old PG-13 reach around? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about The Ring from 2002, and um, we're going to spoil it. So pause podcast, go watch the movie. I mean, I feel like you've probably already seen the movie, but uh, watch it again <laughs> and then come back and listen to what we think. Every about it. single person has already watched this movie. <laughs> All of the peoples. They've seen All it. of the. <laughs> All right, so uh, yep, that's our spoiler warning. Go go watch that before you come back and listen to this show if you don't want anything given away. In the meantime, Hydroberg, do you have a reach around plot summary for us? Yeah, I have a PG thirteen reach around for you. Okay, I am ready. All right, pushing the tape and then press play. What you saw, you just can't say. Images to your dismay. Your death it comes the seventh day. Day one you think it's all a dream. By the sixth you'll want to scream. Visions seen that make you scream. Your demise you start to dwell. The little girl inside the well. As the waters start to swell. A rancid scent you come to smell. A body bloated filled with fear. An evil presence on tape is seared. Your nose it bleeds your hand it smears. The little girl becomes your fear. Inside your screen she comes through clear. Try as you may to change the channel. Samara comes your fate is final. Her nightmare and tape is what she brings. Before you die, you see the ring. Oh my god, that was so nice. good. Good job, so man. So good. Thank you. Awesome. You get oh some like god. really visceral things in there too, like the bloated body and the stench. I'm like, ooh, good lord. Yeah, I try, I try to touch on <laughs> like sometimes certain reach arounds. I can literally touch on like actual scenes from the movie. This yeah. one, I kind of just wanted to touch on like what happens with the tape a little bit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how. Because that's the whole the whole thing about the film, the lore of like the ring and what happens the seven days. And mm-hmm. as you as you start your seven days, what what will happen to you? The things you'll see um, just to start out, like. I think this might possibly one of the be to me, one of the best cold opens in like cinema for a film. I think it's just always I don't know, like just the opening with Katie and her friend Becca. I just think it's it starts you out pretty on a on a nice tone where like all right these these teenage girls they're joking around one of them gets a little serious about the ring we 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 hear like the the film explains at this point kind of how the rules work to us you know without just giving it all to us but it gives mm-hmm. us the the premise mostly and it sets the tone also like like just how creepy of a time we're we're kind of in for and I just thought it's really well crafted and pretty iconic um I think it's over the past 21 years, it's it's stood up and it's been parodied several times. And I just think it's a really good opener. I think it sets the mood for the film really well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it, it kind of sets up several things that work well. Um, first of all, it sets up this idea, this this story that kind of sounds like an urban legend. And yeah. Justin, the last time you were on when we were talking about Sleepy Hollow... I think mm-hmm. if that was the last time we were on, we were talking about like the significance was, yeah. of urban legends and folklore and mm-hmm. these stories that get passed around verbally um, and how they kind of, in, they kind of create like a culture in a, in a way. And one of the things I kind of want to explore with you guys in this episode that I don't I feel like I have a full grasp on is like the, the like kind of regional impact of this tape and, you know, mm. 
outside of this one instance, but we'll, we can get there later. But still, it sets up this idea of the tape as like this urban myth, which people tell each other all the time, but you never actually really know anybody that the thing happens to. But here yeah. you do. It does really happen to somebody. And I think mm -hmm. that makes it extra scary. Um, the other thing that I like about this whole concept of the tape and the way it gets set up for us right at the beginning is that there's a time limit. And so there's mm -hmm. built in suspense that we know that according to this myth, which, which we learn from the cold open is in fact real in some yeah. way. We don't know in what, like how it's real at first. We don't know how it works, but we know the mythology behind it, which is you have seven days after you watch that tape. Mm -hmm. And we don't know exactly what happens to you after seven days, but the clock is ticking. And so I think for the whole rest of the movie, I think that's a good way to set things up, keep things moving along, but also have like a built in sense of suspense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the movie even does that. It sets up like day one, day three mm -hmm. as we're going along. Um, and there's just that ticking time clock of like, you know, what, what time's running do? out. Yeah. How do you mm -hmm. get out of this? Um, and I think even Katie who's witnessed the tape, right? But she even plays along with Becca like it's a not a big deal. Like she doesn't really believe in it. And maybe she wasn't seeing all the things that um, her aunt ends up seeing, Rachel. Maybe she wasn't yeah. looking for it, but she saw some of it. She jotted a lot of it down in her notebook, right? So she was having visions. That's the thing. That's kind of, yeah. Th that's so the opening itself, I think, I think the thing about this movie is there are pieces that work really well. Um, like, like if you just take this open as an open, you're right. It's it's very iconic and it sets up like this world and this tension and this dread immediately. But the problem is within the context of the narrative that the film is trying to tell, when you have to think about it a little bit, then it doesn't necessarily make as much sense from a narrative standpoint. Um, so uh, this is a type of movie where I feel like the individual pieces might actually work better than the overall whole when you start to look at it, because... As the Aunt Rachel is going through the girl's journal, obviously she's had some effects that later then play into the movie, like the scratching out of like people's faces and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the niece's um, like tone or approach to this uh, makes sense because I do like that her friend is the one that brings up the tape. I like yeah. that aspect because that gives it more of the um, urban legend feel, you know, it's not the person that this happened to talking about it. It's somebody else. And then that strikes a chord with the person who maybe's actually seen it. And they, they saw it on accident. They weren't chasing this. They weren't seeking it out. They were trying to watch a football game. Um, but yeah, even the kid later, um, you know, both her, uh, both Rachel and, um, her Aiden. son, yeah, Aiden, get, like, the handprint on their arm. They have, like, more effects, you know. At one point, Rachel is pulling something, like, out of her mouth. And this, you know, this thing, like, comes out. She's pulling the the fly from the screen and stuff like that. And it's, like, if, if the niece had experienced even, like, half of those things that Rachel, that we see Rachel go through, she wouldn't be, like, joking about... Like, I'm about to die. Ugh. You know, she has this very like nonchalant joking yeah. around. I'm going to fuck with you attitude on the night she know or like she that. would think that she would die. So it's like 
as a cold open, like it works really, really well. But in the context of the movie and the world that they've built, you're like, oh, okay, that doesn't necessarily make as much sense. I did notice that this time out too when she's playing with Becca, but I also took it as like, well, she's a teenager and she doesn't mm. like when you when you're a teen, like we don't take that seriously, right? Like we're like, you know, we don't we don't think we can die. Um, yeah. And like, I think she's part of her. Yeah, she might have witnessed some of these things going down. But there's probably a part of her brain that's sort of talking her out of it, too, like in denial of like, it's not it's a fucking myth, right? It can't be real, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to have fun with my friend. But deep down, like you, like in the back of her mind, it's still got to be there, right? Like today's the seventh day. Because yeah. when the phone rings, she gets fucking scared. Mm -hmm. When the TV on, she starts getting, that's when she stops playing games. But yeah, you're right. And even Naomi, uh, Watts's character, Rachel, you know, she she when she's finally investigating and going and she does an investigation work to the point where she finds out that uh, three other friends have died on the same night at 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. The same uh, different ways, but all the same. They were all at the cabin and they all watched the videotape from what she knows. What does mm -hmm. she do? She puts the fucking videotape in. So I'm <laughs> sort of like, what are you doing? But I think even as an adult, she's sort of like. There's got to be more to this. I You're need skeptical. To like, yes, like, sure. okay, so like real life, real life, Heidelberg, yeah. if somebody told you like, hey, there's this tape that kills you and these four teenagers yeah. died after they watched it, here's a copy of the tape. Would you be like, would you I really, got to check in, it out. Would you, is it yeah. or what is it? In your heart of hearts, would you be like, oh, the tape must have killed those teenagers. I better not. Well, I don't watch have it. a VHS. Or would you be like, okay, be it's a haunted tape. fucking 4K. Haunted download. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a haunted blue. blue. It's it a blue. I would, I would check with Bob if it's limited. Is it a hologram. <laughs> steel? Is it out of print? Because then I would just hold on to it and I wouldn't yeah, watch don't it. Don't take it out of the box. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Uh, but seriously, in your heart of hearts, if somebody tells you that this. Yeah, I don't know. It's like wet paint, Blue right? What makes paint you die. What do you want to do? You want to fucking touch it. It's not just that. It's just that, like, I mean, like, it might seem like a coincidence and oh that's kind of creepy that these four friends mm -hmm. all died on the same night at the same time it's a weird coincidence but i think in your heart of hearts you would not truly believe that this videotape caused that to happen i don't mm -hmm. think in your yeah. heart of hearts like having no other knowledge of it like nothing's happened to you i don't think there would really be anything preventing you from watching that tape yeah as far as like yeah. katie goes i think up until that moment for her, that that tape might have just been like you said, it was it's an urban myth. It's an urban legend. Um, and maybe kids have spoken about it throughout, you know, grade school or whatever, but nobody's ever experienced it. And then they found it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And who knows how long it's been sitting there? Because we get the sense uh, towards the end of the film that like it's she, like Samara's sort of been dormant for a while. And then like through the occurrences that happen in this film, she's let loose um, and she's spread even further. Her goal is to spread, but she's kind of been sitting there, I feel like. And who knows? Maybe she's claimed a couple people that have visited those cabins. You know, maybe the couple came on their honeymoon or something and viewed the mm. tape. Who knows? But, um, you know, it's just sitting there at the end of the day, back in the cabin where it belongs. So that's I don't know. It. Yeah, it, that's. 
that's the thing that kind of is a disconnect for me too. Um, and so I, I had a, wa I actually just watched the original and this one back to back, the Japanese original. And the, so like some of the details get kind of like split in my mind, but all, like I, the ring 2002 had to change some things or did change some things that I think were good and made it work full better for a Western audience. But yeah. one of the things that didn't, or it's like, I think creates this kind of disconnect is in the original film it is more of uh like an urban legend there's a scene where rachel or the character that is rachel in the japanese film is an actual reporter but she's interviewing kids about it so this is like widespread like a lot of people yeah. know about this and in this film it's it's kind of weird because it's very isolated because it's still at the cabin where the girl's body exists and we don't get any indication that it has left that space even mm -hmm. though the whole thing to get out of the death is she wants to be copied she wants for it to go on and i think now because of the age of this film there have been a couple other films who have taken the same kind of idea and i think improved upon it which kind of hurts the film now uh, for me so for instance like it follows has the same kind of idea where you in order know, okay. to survive you spread it to somebody else but if that person dies then it comes back to you yeah. and so in this movie the ring the whole ending is kind of like set up like we have to copy it and they maybe kind of imply you also have to show it to somebody. They don't really like go that far. And then they also don't go to the point of like, are there any other consequences? Because even like Rachel, so this is a problem I have too. So the whole rule is you make a copy, you're safe. Okay. You show it to somebody else, but Rachel does that on day two and she still goes through this whole experience, day three, day four, day five, where she is haunted and plagued by this presence and spirit. So if you're following the rules that the film sets up of no, as long as you copy it and you spread it, she leaves you alone. Well, then she did that to her, like the guy on her no, second day. Why is this whole like, why would she be plagued by these things throughout the whole film? That's a good question. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think that kind of falls apart. In twenty years, I've there. never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with the tape. Um, that's an interesting point because which he watched the original, not the copy, right? But I don't. They they make it a point that it doesn't matter because uh, she. Well, she made a. Well, no, he did watch the original. So yes. So she brings it like on her very second day. She's like, "You need to like, please help me watch." So this I film. wonder if for her, he watches it and then he says, "Make me a copy and I'll investigate it." So, so Aiden's the one that the watched copy. the copy, right? So Aiden did, is the yeah. one that saved her, not Noah. Right, Aiden's the one. I don't think it matters. I don't think it copy. matters. It does whether... matter because you're supposed to make the copy and then and then show somebody to it. Well, okay. that yeah, that's what's not clear it about it. That's what's not clear about it is is it the fact that you're spreading it, or yeah. is it the fact she wants that you spread. make it a copy and see? That's the thing is like you don't really know. Or can you just spread the original? Like, but here, I don't think it matters. Like you've made the copy either way, and then you show one of them to somebody, mm -hmm. so you have spread it in some way. Yeah. I don't think it matters whether they watch the original or the copy. I really don't. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, because in the end, she ends up destroying the original um, in her frustration. And it's luckily she has the copy, which that's the thing, too. It's like, what if you just destroy the tape? Is she just going to make another one? She can make it without a copy. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, there's an excerpt I got from ScreenRant.com. They did an article on this a Mm. while back, and they kind of touch on some of the stuff from the original um, like book. And just kind of how Samara works. Um, they say like the metaphor of the tape being akin to like a virus. So it's it's been explored in great depth in uh, Koji Suzuki's uh, novels. Apparently, these were, I didn't know these were novels, but um, mm-hmm. in which the tape manifests like a mutated version of smallpox into the physical body of the viewer. Uh, this is deemed possible as Samara is a nensha, a being with uh, psychokinetic powers to burn images or feelings or memories into objects with her mind. So technically she could remake the tape at will if she really wanted to, mm-hmm. um, because that's just what she does. Um, and then the novel also states that the tape apparently manifests, uh, manifests like a tumor in the viewer's heart, which kills them on the seventh day. So that's what actually stops your heart in the books. Okay. And uh, so it's he like has much uh, more physical. like Yeah. And Suzuki's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- there's definitely more of a physical aspect to it. Like, a um, your medical uh, reasoning behind it all. Um, Suzuki's sequel novel, Spiral, the virus mutates further, infecting people through written accounts and other audio visual means. Uh, So when applied to 2002's The Ring, the ending points to the fact that death is inescapable and is always around the corner, whether one is ready for it or not. Uh, While life can be prolonged by replicating the tape and passing it on as a curse, it is only a matter of time before guilt and remorse kind of gets to you as a survivor who has passed mm. it along. So maybe you don't get killed by Samara, but you're, you're, you know, you're racked with that guilt of having passed it on to somebody, unless you're a total douchebag, then you don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe Japanese people have guilt. Yeah, they do. Know. They're totally different. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it's like making death, they preferred alternative over selfishly passing the legacy of the vengeful spirit. Americans so don't care about passing this itself is passing there you go. Reach. You're saved. Even talking about what it? if you just broadcast it on the news? You know, what if you just sneak in, you put it on a major news broadcast and just like spread Halloween it to millions? Because that's yeah. what the sequel You're deals with, for a right? long time. <laughs> Doesn't I've the never sequel seen any of the internet? sequels. I believe the sequel deals with the internet mm. and it becoming like a virus, but not a physical That's like virus. fear.com. You guys remember fear.com? Yeah. It was like a haunted website that you visit. Yeah. But that's a that's an interesting point, um, Soju. I kind of you, you kind of tore the, the film apart right in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. All right, well, it's been yeah. fun, guys. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, but that is interesting. And that's like, I wonder how, um, I wonder how that loophole is explained if you were to ask somebody who um, like wrote the film or, or in the script, how it might be explained. Um, well, so from the Japanese version, going to kind of like some of the differences they made there is, well, one of the big differences too is the ghost is more of a traditional Asian ghost. So the whole idea of like the girl in white with the hair, like dripping down, like that's a typical, that's a typical Mm -hmm. kind of Asian ghost where typically they're represented by females like die before, like as maidens, you know, virgins or whatever. And then like haunt the earth as this kind of vengeful spirit because of it. There's a lot more explained Um, about her parents, like her lineage also. Yeah. And in, yeah. So in the Japanese one, her mother is, there's more of a psychic like thing going on and her, like her mother is her real mother. So there's not this kind of like adoption abandonment (laughs) Mm -hmm. thing, which actually is another problem I kind of 
have um where where this is kind of like a, a kind of toxic trope that I wish would kind of end in horror a little bit. We talked about it when we covered the omen, but the whole I feel like this creates a real type of stigma in society, even for people who aren't big on horror films, where it's the whole idea of adopting kids and that fear of them being evil, <laughs> you know? So I was actually um, adopted yeah. and I'm going to, yeah. I guess this is as good a time as any to tell mm. you guys my secret. There you go. Yeah. I'm really a Japanese demon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I have but powers I, yeah. and I'm going to annihilate you all. Oh I think God. that so really kind of lives. Yeah. I think that kind of lives in the conscious, like, community's mind of I mean, adoption yeah, i think it's yeah this kind of stigma that exists of like oh if you adopt a kid from you don't know where they're coming you're from it could be getting, satan or something you don't yeah. know what you're getting it's like adopting <laughs> yeah, a dog yeah. from the shelter you don't know That's what the true. fuck is yeah. in that yeah. dog's psyche you don't know what kind of trauma something could have yeah and um, and yeah, so in the original movie, there it's that aspect is not a part of it. The mom is the girl's real mother, um, yeah. and she has like some psychic abilities too. And, and so she's had um, trauma put on her, I think, right? It is, yeah. She's like the product of an affair, essentially. Yeah. So there's this guy, he has an affair with the mother and kind of like uses and abuses her, and that mm -hmm. it ends up affects the daughter. And the daughter's like in some way kind of like trying to defend her mom and protect her in those aspects. And I feel like I feel like this movie, some just slight, it's interesting how they just make some slight changes, but this one is more focused on the idea of motherhood, especially like with Rachel and then the mother, like having like so many miscarriages that she has to adopt and stuff like that. Where in the original, I feel like it's more about fatherhood and like abandonment, which is like, um, they hint at it a little bit with this little boy and, you know, the dad coming around and be like, do you want me around more? But in the Japanese one, it's that aspect plus that aspect of the guy who had an affair with the original mother and then so he's like an absentee father but also a little abusive and exploitative and yeah. so i feel like it's more about fatherhood in that one and so just slight changes like that kind of like make this disconnect and, a little bit I in think. this film there's like a lot of mystery behind samara like we don't know who her parents were yeah she's evil off the bat like as soon as they got her like she's off mm -hmm. and as soon yeah. as they get her home you know she's fucking with their minds um you touched on the relationship between rachel and noah and their son aiden it's mm -hmm. so odd to me in this film it's weird it's just it's never sat well with me you have this kid with this guy and he's still in your life but yet he isn't a father to this boy but he's around this kid Mm -hmm. And pretends like, like Aiden practically knows Noah's his dad, yet they never really have a relationship with one another. And Aiden even like Aiden calls his mother Rachel by name instead of mom. Like, it's just all weird to me. And it's it's part of why, like, there's moments where Aiden just seems off too. now. Aiden seems like he's clairvoyant and he's a seer or, you know, something of that nature, like a prophet or something. He can, you know, yeah, he's he, like a Danny he, Torrance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got he's got sight. It's got the um, shine to him. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So like mm -hmm. something's off with him. Not in a bad way necessarily, but he's just, you know, he's sort of creepy at first when you first meet him. Uh, like we touched on with the bad seed, he's mature beyond his years. And so it seems off to see a child this mature. He takes care of himself. He puts his own tie on. He lays his mother's takes dress Takes care up. of his mom. Yeah. Yeah. He takes care of his mom. And they have this weird relationship. Like they're roommates more than mother daughter. Like, I mean, mother son. It's weird. It's I would even make a that, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I would even make a comparison between this child actor and um, the actor we were talking about last week with Children of the Corn, John Franklin, who played Isaac, who, you know, I I made a comment during that episode about how one of the things that works so well about that casting is that he truly does look like a child. Like if you didn't know better, you would think he was a child, but his his vocal cadence and his physical mannerisms are very adult, which is mm-hmm. disorienting to see somebody who looks like a child, but mm-hmm. with very adult mannerisms. And I would say that the child actor in in this movie who plays Aiden almost approaches that level of like adultness, but he actually is a kid. And so really it's, I, it's very, it's jarring, I would say, but I, I think that the effect of that is beneficial towards the movie. I think it adds this level of, being disoriented a little bit and like what's up with this kid why is he so precocious mm-hmm. and what is his ability in this story yeah. like he has extra sensory abilities in some way but what yeah, are they he draws why? his cousin's death beforehand yeah right right even though she did tell him that, well like, that's I don't, I don't know how much time i have that's a thing i think it does work to benefit the tone of this movie but from a narrative sense i don't think that they used it to its full potential because yeah, we there are hints, you know, like, OK, the teacher pulls him aside. and It's like, oh, this was drawn before last week before she died. But then he tells his mom later, oh, she told me about the tape and that she was going well, to die. So she, then you're like, OK, well, he, he has no that she doesn't know how much time she time has. She she has time. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of could have and yeah. then drew that that she meant that like but also he's in contact somewhat with Samara in a sense or kind like he's of. seeing visions yeah. of her or something or and so him like calling his mom Rachel, like you said, that's not it's not explained exactly why this kid is creepy. And they he's not used in any kind of effect to like communicate with the ghost, to defeat the ghost, to yeah. he's mostly just like set to the side while the investigative story is going on. Um, and then kind of played this aspect of the you know the distance between the father and the son and have more of an emotional impact once the father is dead um which to this to this and the original film's credit that aspect is actually really brilliant um to to that that false sense of safety of oh Rachel you know oh we broke the curse we're good and then to have had the father watch it the next day and then the son watch it the next day. So like, if you didn't know the son would have died, but you have this buffer, but it's like really impactful because like, maybe he wanted to be a father, but it's also like, okay, because he was like, not a father. It's like, it's actually really well set up to have an emotional impact and to shock you and be like, Holy fuck. But then be like, okay, the kid's going to be safe. in like some way I, I it's like, it's still a really good ending. It's frustrating too, though. Like, there's that moment where they cross each other on on his way to school, Mm. and they look at each other, and Aiden just looks at him, and they they lock eyes, and then they kind of just they don't even really acknowledge each other other than that, and they just walk. And I'm just like, dude, that's your son, man, and you know that's your son. Rachel knows that's your son, and your son knows that you're his dad, almost like fucking talk to the kid. Like, it's such a weird situation. I feel like the movie is trying to like set us up for a reveal or something like we're not supposed to know that Noah is Aiden's father until like halfway through the movie when she says it over the phone after he watches the tape yeah who who saw the tape our Our son son. but like what is the point of that reveal like 
It mm-hmm. doesn't have any impact on the rest of the story. Why can't we just know from the beginning that Noah is Aiden's father? Like, if they're estranged, if he's like not a parent to him, fine. I guess that happens sometimes. But he's in his life, like still. I like, get that, but like, why does it have still... to be a reveal? I don't know. Like, why weird. is this a point of suspense that we're not allowed to know about until halfway through? Maybe it's it, just it literally to makes no difference. More like weirdness around the kid of like, hey, look at this. He grew up without a dad, but he's like, I don't know. He's like. He doesn't need a dad, you know what I mean? He's like strong will. Well, honestly, like the key uh, reason is because that's one of the things that they translated from the original film that doesn't really work because yeah. that's how it is in the original film. But as I said, that one is more focused on fatherhood and like the estrangement of fatherhood. And so that's how it is in the original. And so they kept that aspect, but they like left out some important aspects of their relationship and of the detail and like of passing something on that is not included in this film and so it just feels kind of like hollow rachel's character would have had like a a, an odd relationship with her dad as well right like he she had a a strained uh strained relationship with her dad her character i don't know Uh, well Whatever her name was in the original, in the ring, you uh, Rachel's character. Oh, oh, oh. Um, no, 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 no. No, that guy is. So the grandfather, yeah, is included actually in that film. But no, they have a good relationship. He's okay. the one who actually watches it's the son the while she goes and of? does the investigation. Well, okay. so the original with the aspect of the original is the dad is a seer. And so then that adds an implication that the son has also gained that ability as well, Mm. um, which is something that happens with the ghost as well, because the mom is psychic and passes it on to the daughter. And so there's more aspect of this kind of like passing something on and like the estrangement or whatever. But see, and this one, Noah, is just some schlup, you know, he's just some guy. He's not like special. You know, he just. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where the disconnect is. It's like in the in the original, the father has an aspect that actually connects him to the ghost in some kind of way. It also helps him like with the investigation and like him and the wife never leave each other like the way Noah and Rachel do. They're always together investigating it and like progressing together. So, yeah, I think that's something that they like kind of kept, but like change some details and then it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and makes it confusing and less like impactful. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I do really like about this film is the uh, you mentioned the investigation. Um, I'm a sucker for investigative movies that center around Mm -hmm. like a supernatural occurrence. I like investigative movies, period. But when they're done in horror and they're done around some kind of supernatural occurrence and there's somebody like you said, it follows. We Sinister did it. Smile recently Mm -hmm. did it. Not as not as well, in my opinion, but. There's plenty of films that have done it over over the years. Um, I'm just a sucker for those kind of films. And I feel like this film does that really well. I like watching Rachel try and figure out what's going on with this curse and, you know, narrowing down these different threads and, and figuring out like, well, this these people from here, they went to this cabin and they had this room. And then I don't know, it's just fun to watch that in a film like this. And then the tension sort of rises as like the occurrence gets stronger and stronger around mm-hmm. the person that's investigating because they you know like with this we only have a limited amount of time to figure it out and then mm-hmm. you you know you're going to be done i so really one, like it. one thing i'll say in, in as light criticism of this movie is i i do feel like um you know it's i mean it's been 20 years saw this movie so it's hard for me it's hard for me to put myself back in that place of somebody who's just seeing it for the first time um 
but I would say that for first time viewers, I think there's a lot going on in this movie that's difficult to piece together just yeah. upon a first viewing. I mean, mm. you have so many different elements that you kind of have to make sense of. There's like the phone, the tape, the horses, Anna Morgan, Samara, the barn, Richard Morgan, uh-huh. the pictures, the, the little boy, and he's kind of psychic. And it's just like a lot of things to all piece together, yeah. especially because one key component that like unlocks a big chunk of information for Rachel is the lighthouse that she sees on the tape. But the only way that she's able to even see that lighthouse is because she's using this like professional video equipment that allows her to like stretch the frame, like beyond its limits and see like the edge of this image. That's not immediately visible. And it's like, what is some poor like schlub supposed to do who doesn't have professional (laughs) AV equipment? Like they're never going to see that lighthouse and they're never going to, like it's already like kind of a stretch of the imagination that Rachel is then going to find out where that exact lighthouse is from all those books at the library and then go there. Like it takes so much effort to kind Mm -hmm. of like fit all these puzzle pieces together for her. Mm -hmm. And that's like her job. And so it's like, how is anybody else supposed to unravel this mystery? And it's like, if the point of the tape is to like spread the message around of like what happened to her it feels like like spreading around like the true story that's been covered up like letting out the true story of what really happened if that's her goal although maybe that's not her goal maybe her goal is is. suffering maybe it's just to cause suffering but if you know if you consider that the goal is to like let people know the truth about what happened to her it's a pretty fucking tough puzzle to solve because in most ghost stories, yeah. once you let the ghost loose, you find the body, you've gotten rid of the ghost's trauma and the ghost can mm-hmm. rest easy. Move right? On, and it yeah. stops doing right. what it's doing. And this so film that's is why like, that fake ending works so well. Yeah. And then that's like, what we've that's what Aiden's we like, what you helped her? Like, why would you help her? But I also don't understand, like, what was the difference of helping her? Because regardless, the, the seven days are still going to happen. But I'm thinking by helping her body out, you've released her like her reaches further now. Like they said on the island, since she's been gone, the island kind of went back to normal. All the weird occurrences started stopping for a long time years ago. And while she was there, all these weird things were happening with the wildlife and like plants and stuff like that. So the crops. Uh, yeah. But I, I I don't know if necessarily you're meant to figure out this mystery. I think she's OK with one person finding the tape and dying and then another person slowly. But um, I don't know. Like and I also get the idea that possibly Everybody who views the tape, I'm, I'm guessing that you do see the same things um, because Noah sees the lighthouse as well. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. if each ta- each time you view the tape, if it's like a different viewing for people. And I'm thinking the visions that you see as you see them are different for each person. We're just seeing the version that Rachel saw with the ladder, like happened to be outside. Mm-hmm. Like, That's I'm not I don't think that Aiden because it seems like Aiden. I'm not Aiden. Um, it seems like Noah's starting to see things, too. But he's seeing them differently. Like, so he never actually saw the tree, but he did see the tree in the X-ray. Right. So like that's his time to see like that image of the tree because he went and found the X-ray. He had a different task to do. So I'm wondering if like you can solve this mystery in different ways. You don't necessarily have to find something to extend the tape to see the lighthouse. There might be other means to figure out that the lighthouse is there or something that could lead you towards the lighthouse. I don't know how, I don't feel like Samara's put all this together necessarily to lead you in that direction. I don't know. I'm just wondering if these are ways to 
there are ways to get your try and get yourself out of it or it's it's an odd yeah it's an odd yeah it's an odd predicament for the the plot because it's like mm. the samara wants you to find her and dig her up and ultimately like release her is that her objective because she could have made it easier for you if she wanted to um I, I well know. yeah it's it's Not odd like to give a now. way out so yeah i think it's very confusing and unfocused and that's why i said like once you start kind of pulling apart the lore you're like well okay i don't know this this actually doesn't really make sense because she she made the if we're uh let's so when she's killed and thrown in a well there's no buildings there it's just an open field with yeah, some horses I, running around and stuff so she made like if we're led to assume she made the tape either while she was suffering in the well and still alive or after the fact like and, her, her her presence yeah. lives on so she doesn't need people to copy a tape she literally created it out of thin air like that she doesn't need that ability like you know what i'm saying she yeah. has the ability to do apparently whatever the fuck she wants and so the whole aspect of that's why i feel like movies have done it better since because if we're like, does she just want to hurt people? Well, if she just wants to hurt people, she can make as many fucking tapes as she wants. So why give anybody an out? Or if she wants us to spread it, you're right. It doesn't really make sense because the only way that uh, Rachel finds anything out is because she's using this professional equipment. She stretches shit. And most of the time, you would assume 99% of the time, everyone else would just die without copying the tape. And so that doesn't really like make sense. Are. And so you're like, yeah, oh. this this lore doesn't really hang together very well. When you t take the aspect of somebody survived, you know, a tape is created at some point after the fact that she's dead. Somebody has found a way to survive this. Two people, maybe we assume the kid survives as well. And like, but the bones are found. So like, I, I think all the pieces here like conflict against like a lore I, see, that makes sense. When when I first saw this film, um, I don't know. I was under the assumption that for a minute, I thought Brian Cox's character, Richard Morgan, was the one that stashed the tape. As if the tape was made a while back and like he stashed it because he didn't want anything to do with it. Like he knew of it. And I, I it just, for some reason, I always thought it was like him covering up what happened with his daughter. And he like kind of stashed this thing where he didn't think people would see it. And I don't know, it was an odd reasoning for the, uh, for what happened. I just, mm. when I was younger, that's kind of where my mind went with it. Um, because it did, it, it is odd that like they built these cabins over this well, they kept the well though. They didn't like flatten out the ground. They just kind of <laughs> built over the well. So that's sort of odd. Seems like it's a bad like idea, and you can see that it's caused water damage on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and the wood yeah, and it's is all not, warped. It's that's like not good craftsmanship. Damage. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not like you would think you'd fill that in with owned, like concrete or something. Like if if he owned that property and he owned the cabins, then I would understand that. Like, oh, he built that on top of that to cover up to cover it up the like, murder. But yeah, I'm wondering, like, does he even know that his daughter was in the well because it was the mother the who put her there? See, and that's the, the difference in the movie, after. too. Yeah, is the dad is the in the original movie, the dad is the one who kills the yeah. girl. And so then they, yeah, that makes more sense. He doesn't want her. She's a plague on him. She's like causing him financial damage. She in this movie, she's adopted anyways. In the yeah. original, she's not wanted. She's like a bastard child. And so it makes more sense for the dad to kill 
her. But yeah, in this one, it's the mom. And I think they're trying to make the kind of connection with Rachel. But it, yeah, I think it's got too many holes. And I think it really is a product of trying to adapt it because they did this like super quick. So the Japanese came, the Japanese one came out in 98. This was released in 2002. So like they adapted it really quick. And I think they made some good changes, but I think they made some changes that like just don't really make sense. I, but part of me also, it's like one of those situations where I think some of the holes in the lore still work for the film because it keeps a, an air of mystery also around how everything works because we're not yeah. necessarily maybe meant to try and break it all down and figure it all out. So like it could be, it could be plot holes or it could just be, decent writing to the fact, like you said, also an adaptation of a foreign film where they had to adapt, you know, foreign culture and uh, different lore from, from that culture and uh, spin it into a Western audience. So it could be a, a ton of those d issues. Um, I still think the film holds up though, even with those flaws, like I've never had to think about it this critically, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like we are now, obviously um, like you mentioned, uh, first time viewers. And I always wonder like how younger people nowadays would view this one. They, we don't even have fucking VHS tapes anymore. Like, do they even relate <laughs> to that idea of like using a VHS to spread something or copy it? Um, or having like a you... landline phone that rings in yeah. your house. And... Yeah, that rings. I, I, I mean, they all know what it is, but it's not a part of their daily lives. So I don't know if that thing... feels like yeah. it takes them out of it or if they can just mentally yeah. make that transfer to like a Blu-ray. Like, you know, yeah. you know, a Blu-ray is more normal to them. And exactly. a cell phone, you know, getting a It call did make me laugh phone. too to think that like when they don't pick up the phone and Noah's message is still there, like Samara left a fucking <laughs> voicemail. That like, cracked it, me up too. Yeah, and I was there. like, why would you delete that? That's like your proof of, yeah. you know, you can play it again and again yeah. and again. Somebody saying seven days, like, seven days after you watch it. Yeah, because That's she doesn't tell that Noah that. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And, or even like, you know, you she's like, oh, let's check out this tape. Where was it made and stuff? It's like, so you don't have that same interest in this audio recording that you now have on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like that decision to not only like not play it, but to delete it. Um, well, watching it's just it like this time, Katie, like, right. It's out of sight, out of mind, right? You delete it and then. Yeah. Maybe, but to thing, delete. But... Oh, no. At that like, point, she's got to know. Just like, let her it sit there. Coming up blurry. Delete? Yeah. And yeah. even 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 Noah doesn't really believe until he sees his face in the uh, mm -hmm. the convenience store camera and then takes his own photos. And then he finally like succumbs to the idea of like, this must be real. So also, that's where, I, yeah, this movie excels for me is it's in these like moments. Like I said, the moments here are fantastic. So if you take the opening, it's a fantastic opening. If you take that moment, I love when he's like buying the cigarettes and he's like looking in mm -hmm. the the thing and he's like comes to this. He goes, you're going to die. Like putting, yeah, putting it in front of his face and like just the blur and like then seeing like the all the pictures that he's taken. The moment where she pulls the fly out of the uh, I love that television and her nosebleeds. Yeah, it's fantastic. Even the scene like where she goes in, the guy kills himself and then they go into the barn and they have this room set up there like when you have to think about it, it's like, why would they make her live in this barn? You know, it's it's cool visually and it sets a really great tone and I think leaves a really great impression on your mind of like, that's a horror moment. 
But as a narrative, stringing all of these pieces together, I think it kind of like starts to fall apart for me when you have to watch it multiple times or you have to analyze it like like we want to do. I think their idea was <laughs> once they knew she was off a little bit, like they made this little area in the barn to keep her further away from them when they slept yeah. because weird things were happening. But that they totally didn't want to totally, they didn't like totally get rid of her because they wanted to love her. But she yeah. was, you know, she was. Whatever she is, like, there's no loving that. Like, she's true evil. To me, I, I took that as, like, a cruel way of isolating her. Yeah, it is. And, and, like, to me, that's not a horror moment. That's a drama. That's, like, a family drama moment. Because they set it up like, like a kid's room, right? Of, like, a dis- well, which is so fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, the, the appearance of the room works as a horror mo- moment. Like, for God's sake, like, why is this barn so tall and why is this ladder so long and why is it decorated exactly like a kid's room, but it's in a fucking barn? It's just so unsettling for reasons that I can't even put my finger on. But but the but the the realization of like what they did to her, regardless of whatever she's done, like it's mm. it's heartbreaking and it's really unsettling in an emotional way. Not in a horror way, but like in a in a in a family drama way. It's like Harry like, Potter. Ugh. It's like, oh, yeah, little so guy's yeah, got to exactly. live under the stairs. Yeah, got to live up there. <laughs> like these parents have cast their child away, and it's like, mm. you know, that's, that's there was upsetting. that moment. I was hoping Rachel or or um, Noah was going to knock the ladder over because I thought that would have been a good mirror image of the ladder in the vision falling over because she sees the ladder standing up, but then there's a moment in the video also where the ladder falls down. And I do like how the film slowly starts to sh- like Rachel starts to see all these occurrences in her own way. The, fl- you know, she sees the fly come out of the, the, um, the TV. She sees the ladder that she walks under. Um, she sees the horse that, that falls off the ferry and gets killed through the, um, the rudders or the, mm, yeah, the, uh, yeah. That's the, a good moment too. And you get the, yeah, we get the blood in the water, just like in the, yeah. Um, there's several moments that sort of mirror, you know, the visions that you see from the, from the, uh, tape, which also made me wonder, I used to take the tape as it was like Samara's nightmare or like the mother's, you know, like visions, like visions of her trauma. But then some of it seems almost like they're visions of the person who watched the tape. Like, I'm wondering, that's what made me think. Like I wonder if, was, and the, yeah, yeah, it's because she sees the, the blood centipede. In the water. I was almost like, well, yeah. what if these were just visions of what she's going to see? And every person's view of the tape is different based on what what leads them to, you know, so what leads them to to their seventh day. Like, that's a good point. That's a good point, Hyderberg. And I think it's both. I think there are images on the like the first time you see the tape. So I actually do, even though it's been 20 years, I think this movie, along with maybe only like Candyman and The Shining, I actually have vivid memories of watching it for the first time and i don't usually have that except for those other couple of movies but i remember so i'll say right now this movie has scared me more than any other movie in my life and i still find it really frightening and that's i can't really say that about yeah I, i can't think of another movie i can say that about but it still really disturbs me and frightens me and fills me with dread and i remember the first time i watched it that and like by the time I saw this, I was already like a jaded horror viewer. Mm. But watching this film, I it was almost unbearable for me to watch. Wow. It wasn't so did you see it in the theater? No. I saw oh. it I saw it at like midnight in my living room with the okay. lights off. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
And I saw it in the theater and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Like it was one of the films that I remember to this day of like this film actually did creep me out. Yeah. Uh, so t- for me and my personal list, like this is my scariest movie. And there's mm. something about that videotape that is so upsetting especially the first time you watch it because you have no idea what the fuck any of these images mean or if they mean anything because it truly does feel like a nightmare there's something about the color palette like it's totally like washed out of any color except for sort of like a bluish tint Uh, if you will will, (laughs) yeah um so it's it's just got this tint to it but otherwise there's no real like color palette and there's no like the objects that you see in the images don't make their own sound. There's kind of like an ever-present background noise that's like a humming or a... Yeah. a, a Dude, that song, yeah. to build off what you're like, that, like the tones, mm-hmm. fantastic. Kind of like the noise you would get from running a VHS tape, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like from, a, from a CRT TV and like this is pre-LCD like LCD mm-hmm. monitors <laughs> and 4K TVs and all that stuff, flat screens. Well, and it's it, it echoes something in my all-time favorite horror movie, which is Rosemary's Baby. Um, the nightmare scenes that Rosemary has when she's dreaming in that movie, there's something really effective to me about like action happening that you can see, but there's either no sound to it or the sound does not match up with what you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, they're like disjointed. Yeah. And so like in Rosemary's Baby, she has these nightmare visions and sometimes there's no sound to them. And other times she's hearing the she's like not fully asleep and she's hearing sounds in her real life. But her brain is creating mismatched images Mm, to fit those sounds, but it's not really happening. Um, And so that's that to me is so effective at creating a feeling of a nightmare. And I think that's what this tape does here. You don't have the conflicting sounds like Rosemary, but you have like no sound or you could say there's like a mismatch sound if you consider like that humming noise mm-hmm. or the, the kind of tape whirring noise and to that's so upsetting and like the first time you watch it you have no idea if these images mean anything at all and if and if they do what could they possibly mean and i don't think that that necessarily even becomes clear um after your first viewing i yeah. feel like it becomes clear after a few viewings that i think at least partially this tape is telling Samara's story, you know, and, yeah. and you you do start to be able to assign meaning to those images. But Hyderberg, as you pointed out, um, I think it also somehow is like telling the future. It's like showing the the viewer the future a little yeah, bit, but you don't know Rachel it at the time. She sees these same images, right? She sees the the horse's eye. She sees the centipede. She sees the mm-hmm. ladder. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. And I saw this in the theater in 2002 when it came out. And I, I've always been a horror fan, but I, I've grown into like a diehard horror fan in the past, like maybe six years or so, kind of after I got into your podcast, Justin. But um, uh, it was actually It Follows that kind of got me back into horror a lot, too, which is funny. But this film, I remember just standing out when I went to the theater to see it and I didn't know much about it. I I, I didn't. The Internet was still early on, uh, you know, creepypastas, stuff like that. You know, urban legends were around, but um so I went to see this and I just remember like that cold opening just set the tone. We get this funeral scene. We get this image of Katie and what the she mouth. finally looks like. Cause we don't know what she the looked mouth. like. Right. We get the scene to build up and then they don't show us. Then, then they show us later that scene, just the whole fucking 
the whole theater like tensed up and like some people shouted. And I remember that I just wasn't expecting it. And even now that I know it's coming and, you know, it's been played out, even when I see it, it's still an upsetting looking scene because her mom mm-hmm. is saying, I saw her face. I found her, mother yeah. had to find her like that. And mm-hmm. Becca might have seen her like that also. So and that's why Becca is like in a fucking insane asylum. So that just stuck with me. And then like we just get this weird like premise of a story that I've just at that moment, like in time, I had never seen any films tackle this. I wasn't familiar with the Japanese film at the time. I thought this was an original story. I didn't know about mm-hmm. Ring You. So I was just like, man, this thing just stuck with me. And it did. It it kept me on edge almost the whole time. And a lot of the story does go over your head. Uh, there's a mystery. You don't you don't maybe you're not meant to maybe figure it all out on your own the first time. And I think that's part of the 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 allure of it. Um, now that we're picking it apart, definitely there are some things that you could call plot holes. Um, but ultimately, I just think it, I still think it hits, especially for a first time viewing in the right mm-hmm. setting. Like you said, midnight lights off. I think it's going to be scary. Justin, what are your thoughts on the tape itself? So I actually I think it's really good. Oh, well, okay. So I I do think I think it's better than the original. I think this is one of the things that they changed and adapted really well. And it's better. Um, I think it works really well. But also for the aspect of me personally, um, is I like when the guy Noah watched it and she's like, what did you think? And he's like, it's very student film because, okay. So when I first watched this, I was very young and I saw it in the theaters and it had this kind of air about it in the same way that the tape does where a lot of people were talking about it. It was a PG 13 movies. I was like 13 at the time. And that was kind of like, it was one of my first movies to go uh, horror movies to see in the theater especially with this kind of buzz around it and stuff and it scared the shit out of me and then i remember it always lived in my mind as that and then i picked it for our cast like very early on with that expectation of like yeah i'm gonna watch this again but at that time talking about the vhs tape i had become an adult and i had traveled a lot and like i had gone to art museums and seen the kind of like Films that people create, yeah, the avant garde yeah. like films that you just see in like the quiet room in the back of the like David you know, Lynch the, type the stuff. art, yeah, and stuff like that. And so when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, yeah, that is very student film, um, in that way. And, and so you're basically calling to... me an uncultured swine, is what you're saying. No, 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 Justin. no, 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 no. <laughs> I just like, no, I just you haven't um, seen enough avant garde film. <laughs> it's, it's funny because this time too. Um, you know, watching it when I was younger, it was really impactful. This time too, I find the little girl very adorable. I was just like, oh, she's well, still, when she's like, in she's little got girl these form, little yeah. cheeks or whatever, and she tries to be like creepy, but to me, she's just too cute. <laughs> I well, think can she's I add like something? Really precious. <laughs> can I add something to that? One thing. So I watched the first time I watched it, like midnight in the dark. I was with a couple of my college friends, um, one of whom had already seen it. And I was like freaking the fuck out at the end when she comes out of the TV and gets Mm -hmm. Noah. And so at the end of the movie, I was a little traumatized. And my friend said to me, would it help you to know that the girl who plays Samara is the voice of Lilo? And Lilo and Stitch. Oh, I, <laughs> I was like, yes, know it that. does. But and that's definitely not her that, that comes out of the TV at that point. That's no, it's a stunt. It's a stunt. Yeah, yeah. But she's bigger. She's mm-hmm. huge, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's Lilo. Oh, <laughs> I do think she is. She's super sweet looking. That's funny. And she's also <laughs> Donnie Darko's sister. But that's the, right. That's she's Samantha oh, okay. Darko. That's right. I yeah. forgot about that. 
her little sister. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was just getting ready for Sparkle Motion. That's all it was. <laughs> but no, you're right, Justin. Like it is, it is very avant-garde. But I think they do that on purpose because those films are yeah. sort of they do those kind of films do sort of leave you in a in a in a sense of like what the fuck did I just watch? An uncomfortable sense. Exactly. Yeah, so uneasy. this film does that. Yeah, like have you seen Lashan Yeah, and it does it in a, in a in a way where it's like. Like you said, Jacqueline, we are vision. We're we're getting a vision of someone's nightmare, someone's trauma put on on celluloid or on, on you know on tape, and mm-hmm. it's just it, it was very interesting at the time when it came out because not a lot of films were, had done that. I felt like mm-hmm. in this way, and I do think, uh, like like you said, Justin, there are a lot of yo- like younger younger people than I that have seen this film, and this is one of those first time films for them. I think this mm-hmm. film has helped perpetuate horror fans it has made horror fans out of mm-hmm. younger viewers that have seen this film when they were young this was the freddy krueger to them this is yeah, you know like some absolutely. people saw jurassic park when they were young and that was the film yeah. that got them the scary stuff for yeah. me it was like jason and the exorcist but for younger generations than me this was the film for a lot of people that was like yeah. wow this film scared the shit out of me but you know what i liked it and i want to mm-hmm. check it out, you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's, for a lot of us accessible out, yeah a lot of us find out that, oh, there's a Japanese film that this was based on. I want to check that out. I want to see where, where what it originated from. So and if anything, it just extends your your wealth of knowledge of like different genres of film and kind of turns you on into, you know, a cinephile, if anything. So I think it does a good job with that. And I think it kind of stands the test of time in that aspect um, as far as just like kind of when it came out, it came out like at the perfect time. Um mm-hmm. For people like me who are older, I think it kept me staying as a horror fan. I was just like, wow, this film, it hit and I'm older, I'm jaded. And at that time, I was I was 22 years old when this film came out and it still fucking it creeped me out. The the Mm Katie scene fucking creeped me out. You know, then, yeah, that that's like the, a, the, Kate, the Katie oh, yeah. scene in the closet. That's like it's an iconic. Rick Baker that... did the the effects too for this film. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, and that was All like right. a, a dummy. They made a dummy of Katie, and did a, a prosthetic face and all that stuff. And that's all like a fake body. Contorted. Yeah, the- the Katie scene always got me. The videotape got me, and the scene where she comes out of the TV at TV, the end, yeah. and yeah. he's just backing away, and she's. Like, why is she huge <laughs> yeah. and she's yeah. wet? And why mm. is she walking like that? And then why does she like zoom forward instantly? Like that that was the part that was just almost unbearable for me. Like, I <laughs> i mean, I don't watch things through my fingers, but that I was just like. Yeah, the way like if you take your eyes off her for a split second, she's in front of you now. She's moved yeah. five feet ahead and just like like a, like a videotape does when it fucking skips tracking gets fucked up and then, and then all of a sudden the image yeah. has changed right so it's like yeah. a, it's kind of mimicking that you mentioned wet i wrote this in my notes and i noticed it a lot this time and i never quite put my finger on it but i i really like the use of water in this film it's it's mm-hmm. it's throughout the entire film mm-hmm. it's like a sign of samara and her untimely death i feel like but it's also just like in the background constantly right since they live in seattle mm-hmm. it's in the rain the ferry Island's ride they right, take yeah. to the island. The the island itself is surrounded by water. You have to take a ferry there. There's just the, the waters in the nightmare scene, uh, you know, with the horse when it dies. There's uh, I feel like it just sets this weird tone. And also, I just feel like every time we see the water, it's very dark. It's like void of that, like clear, reflective nature that we associate with water, mm-hmm. where like water has like a life giving 
a, a property to it that we associate with it, but not in this film. In this film, it's dark. It's super dank. Well, and water wet. can kill you too. Yes, it can well, kill you. They poison and, the well too. So, like, if you throw a if a body dies in a well, yeah, you're right about the that. The well is yeah, poison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good take. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like here in this film, it means death, and like we see like the way the way it's withered the wood in front of Katie's door, even though it wasn't there mm. for a long time, but it's like supernatural yeah. or something. Like the wood is so worn out, like it's been worn out for ages. Un, you know, just like we see under the uh, the carpet in the um the cabin, and then um. There was one other. Oh, w w the death of Richard Morgan, too. It's like, the you know, he just surrounds himself in water and, and, and electrocutes himself. That scene, too, like like we mentioned all the key scenes, the tape, the Katie's reveal and Samara coming out of the TV. But then there's all these little scenes that are peppered in, like the fly, the nosebleeds, like all these little moments. Richard Morgan just killing himself like in a horrible fashion. That scene made me jump, too. Not in a way like I could see it coming, but still I was like, holy shit, this guy went dial it up to 11 to kill himself like he did not want to do with the horse mask yeah Ooh. yeah bro i was just like oh and he's just like <laughs> he's not gonna get in my head anymore like and you're just like holy shit what did this little girl do to this family mm -hmm. well and i think his acting performance is so strong because he seems like such a like a rough and tough kind of guy yeah, and like things yeah. aren't gonna rattle him but you see how rattled he is just by even having to think about this Mention child again he was like again. and he was like jesus christ like the things she'd show you and it's like what could she show him that makes a big <laughs> tough guy like that so squeamish like what mm -hmm. what what did she what did she do to him that made him want to she shook die, him to the floor like she, yeah like his whole life was was done after ha taking this little girl. In. Yeah. And so it makes you, it, it's one of those cases where like your imagination runs wild and like invents things that are far worse than anything they could show you in the film. Um, mm. But just his acting job, like to, to, to convince us of how disturbed he is by even the thought of her and how like upsetting yeah. the, the whole, her whole existence was to him. Um, I, Soju, I know you've got a little bit of a time constraint, so I want to try to honor that. I wonder if we should kind of wrap up the group discussion and kind of move into our individual ratings. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Just one quick thing. I just, I just do like I like we mentioned on Brian Cox. Like, uh, just there's some great performances in this film, and like when Naomi, Naomi Watts, like when Rachel watches the tape for the first time, I just love mm -hmm. how we don't see the tape at first. We just see like the look on her face. And I just thought that scene, like I forgot about that scene when I watch it now, I was just like, damn, this fucking scene is like hitting for me right now. Well, she's such she a good actress. She is. She's, she's really such good. Such a good actress. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, last night was also the season four premiere of succession so and yeah, brian, cox, brian is cox is the star of that so i had a whole lot of brian cox last night <laughs> Whoa. that sounded kind of bad a whole yeah. lot of brian <laughs> i had a whole lot of cox last night had a night filled with cox <laughs> sure did whoa it's my favorite kind of night anyway Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so Hyderberg, this was your pick. You want to kick us off and give us your individual rating and review? Yes, uh, I can do that. Uh, so for me, I have some pros. I think this is just a very interesting premise. Um, and I know that, you know, originally it was it was a Japanese film. Uh, regardless, it's just a it's a cool premise. I, I like the way that this film, you know, kind of 
changes it a little bit for Western audiences. And I just like the storyline. Um, we definitely did poke some holes in it tonight, but I still think there's like some validation to it. I think some of those holes could be explained possibly, or maybe, maybe they're, you know, it's meant to be a little bit wishy-washy because it's a mystery. Like we're not supposed to figure it all. It doesn't, it's, it's not a bow that ties great at the end. You know what I mean? There's still some, some strands left. Uh, Naomi Watts, I thought was great. Uh, like I just mentioned, I think the entire cast delivers, honestly, I thought, uh, there's a lot of these actors. Like I, I just didn't know about them at the time. Like no, Noah's character, I forgot his name, but uh, he was an ex recently, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, shit. Martin Henderson." Yeah, he's he's good, man. Um, he's an ex. Yeah, yeah he's he the, was like the what's it? What's the that guy's producer? Name? He's the hillbilly the boyfriend uh, of. The oh shit! Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 I gotcha. Um, and he was good in that. Uh, Naomi Watts yeah. is definitely like stands out. Uh, but also the kid who plays Aiden was really good. Brian Cox is great. Um, Did you recognize the, uh, Ruth, the sister? No, what is Rachel's she sister? She's from uh, Dead Heat. I've never seen. Remember that. we okay. watched that on Joe Bob. Yeah, uh, maybe a I didn't, year or two I didn't recognize that's that was the first time I ever saw that Dead Heat. That was a funny film. That was an, yes, it was. Anyway, sorry. Didn't yeah. Interrupt. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I didn't realize that because she did look a little familiar, but I wasn't sure that it was from something like that. Um, I think the ending for me though is very iconic as. It's as iconic as the reveal of Katie also. Like, I just think both of those two scenes of Samara coming out of the TV, because you think you think that you think the movie's over. You know, we think Rachel's won. You know, she saved the day. And we've, you know, just like every other ghost story beforehand, we've realized, oh, the ghost is uh, let loose. You know, she can rest easy now. But that's not what this story is about. Exactly. And there's a twist. Um, and we get a little bit extra, you know, we think that the movie's about to end there. And then we get that whole moment with um, Noah. And I just love the way that scene plays out where Rachel's just frantically calling him. And as like, he's being, he's crawling, trying to crawl to safety with Samara, just catching up to him. The phone is just ringing and ringing in the background. And it's just like, there's nothing that can be done. He's, he's going to die. And uh, I do think that Rachel's a little fucked up for letting Beth find the body. Like, is that I was going to say that. Yeah, he doesn't say anything, and she just kind of dips in the stairwell. Dude, she's fucking traumatized herself. I mean, like Becca saw what happened to Katie, and she's like, yeah, you know, just kind of paralyzed from it. I think, I think Rachel was kind of like fucked up, like mentally. But I do think the ending just hits for me. Uh, I think the score is really good and there's some really good sound design, like we mentioned with the whirring of the tape and like the little buzzing of the flies. And there's just little little nods here and there of just things that kind of creep you out. I don't know. The Foley works really good. I just uh, I love some of the locations, too, in this also. Like I think rainy Seattle as the backdrop is very atmospheric. And I also like when they go off to uh, the island and like the horse ranch where Samara grew up, I think is really dope of an area as well. The cabins are super creepy and sort of awesome. Like you get that crazy tree in the background where it looks like it's on fire when the sun sets. Um, it's all just really well done as far as set pieces. Um, and they just all work really well to set like a great tone. And overall, I just think this film is iconic and it's got, it's got its issues, but I think it holds up. There are some cons, like we said, I think the plot gets a little confusing towards the end. And how it all works can go over your head, especially on a first time viewing. Uh, but for the most part, like I feel like we understand the forces at hand 
we understand Samara's no good, right? And we get that the tape will kill you in no seven good. days. We get the major beats, right? <laughs> you we low down, like, no good, yeah. good for nothing. We get, what, well. we get what, what the film really wants us to comprehend in order to scare us. And then the rest mm -hmm. we can pick apart later on repeat viewings um, and take from that what you will. I think the placement of the well with the cabin built over it, it's kind of dumb. I think the tape <laughs> residing there is a little convenient as well. Just, I don't know. Um, I also, I don't know why it's burned in my brain that there's an alternate ending to this where her and Aiden go to a video store and put the tape on a shelf. That does exist. It does exist, doesn't it? It's right? true. I thought yes. so. I looked it up. You I did not make that up. It. it is a thing. Make it up. Uh, oh, really? It was, I, thought, I thought you were fucking around. No, no it's, it was they cut. go to like a blockbuster or whatever <laughs> and they slip it into like the slip of another movie and they put it on the shelf to that make sure a, someone yes. will view it. That is some evil shit, but yes, that is That true. is evil shit. I prefer the ending where they kind of kind of wink at the screen almost and say, who are we going to show this to? And they imply mm. that it's us, the audience. We're the ones yeah, that have to yeah. the fucking That's tape. much better. I always like that. Like, oh shit, it's us that the curse has been passed on to by viewing this movie. And we get that quick, like, like three second, like zip of the, the actual tape. And then the movie ends. And I do love that ending. So with all that said, I'm going to give 2002's The Ring. I'm going to give it nine out of ten slack jawed Katie's. Oh, okay. Damn, that's good. I was wondering what you were going to do. Slack I wanted to go with like videotapes because that just fits really well, but I feel like that's too convenient. It could also be that could also be American Psycho. So, yeah, yeah, I got to return some videotapes. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to hold that one off for American Psycho. So. Okay. All right. Soju, our esteemed guest, what do you think about 2002's The Ring? All right. So, um, I also have positives and negatives. I'll go through them. So positives. Um, this movie has some iconic moments. I think Katie is iconic and lived in my mind for a long time. Uh, the tape, I think, is done really well. Um, and the ending is um, is really good, too, with her coming out of the TV um also too i also agree i like the settings um the the water aspect works really well um the sound design the the little it's not not even like the tape sound but the, it's on like the little song like the or whatever that's like kind of in the tape um and just like kind of plays in the background i, I don't know i like that i like that it's like very well um designed as a kind of a creepy iconic sound um I have some problems with this and, and not even the ones that I brought up. One thing I didn't bring up, dude, this movie. So I, this movie's too teal. It's too teal. <laughs> um, it's it, like especially the outside scenes, like when the fucking sky is teal. And then one of the women have like uh, one uh who is it the doctor i think may has like uh white hair or whatever but it's blue because the like this thing is too teal and i know that's a product of its time i love underworld so i don't mind watching a blue movie but this one is <laughs> i don't mind too, watching a blue it's, movie yeah, it's too teal um i was like holy shit they went hard on the teal on this one um also too it's a weird aspect watching this one is they kind of make the characters all kind of like unlikable at the mm. very beginning and kind of shitty. And it's not really explained why the kid is so weird and calls his mom, Rachel. It's not explained 
or oh, and not explain, but like Rachel is kind of unlikable in her personality at being to me. Um, and and then Noah being just kind of like this shit father, this distant father who doesn't really, I don't know. They to me, like, there's just this air of kind of like not liking them. Um, that kind of bothered me. Another aspect too is the pacing of this movie. I really a positive. I really like the investigative nature of this film, but you have seven days and they legit burn through the first five in like 15 minutes. They're like, and, and so, and then the last two days are like the last 40 something minutes of this, where it's mostly like them going to the Island. I was like, they could have paced that out better. Um, it just it, it kind of took uh, some error out of that. You have seven days and it's like, oh, shit, we're already on day five. What the fuck? Um, I wish like they could pace that out a little more smoothly and like prog- like ramped it up a little better. Um, I think this is a great entry horror film because I think that when I watched it, when it first came out, it really affected me. But the only problem with that is now is it's super dated. The idea of the VHS tape, the landline phone, those aspects, I don't know how they affect a younger audience these days. And I think that that could suck some of the wind out of this a little bit. Um, I don't know. But I think it could and and a problem. So as an entry horror, I would recommend think it's strong, but I think that that could hurt that aspect of it a little bit as a seasoned like horror watcher. I feel like this has lost some edge, too, because I've seen other things kind of do it better. Mostly it follows another aspect that I like of it follows a little better is when the monster gets you, it actually like gets you. So um, in this one, the girl comes out of the TV and it's a very effective, iconic scene. But essentially, she looks at you and your heart stops. And it's like it's ah pulls the punch like a little bit Um, where now I've seen the, you know, the it monster um like fucking you to death (laughs) yeah Yeah. so in that aspect you know it kind of loses me a little bit um too and because i'm like i've seen other things that i kind of think do it better or more effectively or more scary now um and i've seen the original and i'm like ah some aspects in that work a little better even though some aspects work better in this version so to me ultimately you know i think it's solid i think it's got some iconic moments i do think it has lost some of its punch from when it came out and i'm going to put this one at a six and a half slack jawed katies you okay Six and a half <laughs> from Soju. Yes. I do think uh, you we've that's not unreasonable being, being PG 13. And I don't think that's necessarily a negative because mm. I think this film does. A no, not at all. The rating. I think this is one of the strongest PG 13 films. Sure. That could actually still give you scares um, without mm-hmm. because you don't need all that stuff if the if the scares are built up properly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I do. I see. I got more of a grave vibe from this film than Teal, but really oh man it was mostly so on my sky. old dvd copy it looks uh-huh. more bluish gray and really? last night yeah last night was the first time i where did i watch it last night i want to say paramount i don't know but um last night when i watched it it was the first time that it was ever like 
startlingly green it wasn't teal for me on my streaming uh, it was like green yeah. and <laughs> i was like, was Shit, like i never noticed how green this movie fuck? that is yeah. a product of its time too um there are a mm. lot of just blue movies around this time yeah on, on my old dvd it looks bluish gray but okay whatever maybe yeah maybe that's a later adaptation or, or yeah like it looks like your weird. background on my dvd that's what mine looks the whole like movie too. looks like that yeah me yeah. too and like the yeah. sky is literally like when they're outside it's fucking blue and i'm like Ooh. i mean not blue like it's supposed to like <laughs> uh anyway <laughs> the sky was Jack- fucking blue this fucking movie <laughs> like, what God is this damn movie? <laughs> i'm gonna and, end uh... this i'm gonna I'm going to cut in on blue. If I was green, I would die But at the end of this. I was Hyderberg. I, this is why I love you. Like this whole time I've been thinking, how can I work in a joke about that song? And then you did it for me. So you got to play the creepy version though. The slow down oh, 2022 yes. version. Um, like a cover done by rob zombie <laughs> oh you did it there the, oh there you go the guest who we try to open the door dude you got it there in the last of the, fi- the final minutes too yeah. Yeah, I had to get all right there. Jacqueline. sorry to be a wet blanket right before you give this Jeez. review but yeah out of 10 <laughs> how do you feel about the ring um, I'll, I'll keep it relatively short, but um, we've spent a lot of time on this episode, like pulling apart some of the logical elements of this movie, including myself. I had some logical problems with it, but I'm going to make a bold statement. You don't care. I heard like I hear and understand and agree with everything you said, Justin and Heidelberg. I think you added one or two little things um, and I threw in a thing or two that don't make a lot of sense when you really consider them and start pulling on those threads. But my, yeah, my bold statement is I don't care. (laughs) I've, I've been watching this movie for 20 years. um, And I feel like there are some movies that if the logic doesn't work perfectly, the movie really falls apart. This movie, I think really relies on a strong sense of atmosphere and it's it's as Heidelberg said it's all you really have to have is like an understanding of the premise like do you understand that when you watch this tape you die seven days later unless you copy it and and then you break the curse or whatever like as long as you get that basic premise down I think you can still experience the movie in a fulfilling way um if it's the kind of thing that works for you. But like I said, I feel like this movie really high, relies heavily on um, atmosphere, the production design, the quality of the visuals. And like the movie is depending on those visuals being disturbing um, for that emotional impact on the viewer. And I guess it might not work for everybody, but for me, I still think that they are insanely effective. Just the background behind you right now, Justin, and that (laughs) image of the well, and it's kind of like a hazy type of image. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's on a videotape. It looks like there's those tracking lines across the width of the image. Like That's unsettling to me still 20 years later. Um, And having watched this movie, I don't even know how many times. And to be honest with you, after 20 years most of those logical things that you brought up that are absolutely correct, I have never noticed them until last night or today. Um, and so if I'm, yeah, if I'm looking at it with a very heavily critical eye, yeah, you're going to find those things. Um, but I just think that for this particular movie, I don't think it really matters. 
I think if you just like kind of sit back and experience it in like a like a visceral way, like just let it kind of happen to you and feel what it is giving to you. It's almost like a Lynch film to me in a way. Um, like not everything connects, but I think it's okay. I think that this movie is like kind of more of an experience. And I know that I criticized it for having like kind of too much going on. And it's like, you're not going to put it all together on the first viewing. But even then, I think it's okay. Like, I still think back to that first time that I watched it and how absolutely dreadful it was for me. Um, I didn't care about like how she made the tape or like whether Katie had experienced these like haunting things before she was joking around about it with Becca. Like, I just didn't think that hard about it. And I know that like, you know, we make jokes sometimes about like, just turn off your brain and like how that's kind of a (laughs) stupid thing. It's like a stupid thing to say and insult somebody's intelligence. Like, no, the movie should still work. But I think that it works well enough despite these lapses in logic or the kind of over complications or the things that don't quite line up um i think so uh, just a quick i'm not really going to do trivia because we don't have that much time but one quick thing i, w- I did want to mention was that the tint was deliberately made green to give it kind of like a sickly look to the whole to the whole vibe of the movie and also i've never specifically noticed this before but once i read it i was like yeah the lighting was done in such a way that the characters don't really cast shadows. Oh, that's so if interesting. You, if you look closely, there's not really any shadows and it's supposed to create this sort of like subconsciously unsettling effect. Like something's wrong, but you can't, you can't like mm. articulate it. It's just off, you know, I think, it does. Um, I think it works. There's a very stark look to a lot of the shots in this movie, especially some of the kind of like rural landscape scenes, like a tree just like being the focal point of the shot and everything else looks very barren. And the the contrast between like the the positive and the negative in the shot are like very stark and uh, it. It it has a, a an air of like unreality to it, which sort of again contributes to it feeling dreamlike. And that's just something that really works for me. I know that's not everybody's jam, but for me, if something feels like a nightmare, like something looks normal, but there's something about it that's off, that's deeply unsettling to me. Especially if you can't quite put your finger on it, you know it's wrong, but you don't know why. So all that being said, I'm sorry. This this movie has a magical quality to it, and that's always what I'm looking for. Um, if I'm if I'm giving that top score, it has problems. I agree, but for me, it doesn't matter. the The magic behind it still kind of outweighs it all, and I give this movie a ten out of ten. Slack John Katie's. I love it. I love this movie. It's like <laughs> my top three. Top three. I had it at a nine point five originally, but the discussion talked me down a little bit. I don't know. Um... Not me. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I always allow a little bit of room for a discussion to move me up or move me down. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally respect everything you guys said about it. I don't even really disagree. It's just, you I'm know, gla- I like I'm glad you feel that way, because I remember when I originally picked it for our cast, like early on, we were like getting back into horror movies, watching the cast. It was like episode 40 or something. And I was like, I, it was my pick. I picked the ring. And I was like, I remember how I felt when I watched it in theater. I don't think I had seen it since then. And then I watched it and I was like, 
oh <laughs> and that oh, yeah. kind of sucked like to feel that deflation mm. yeah as there an adult films. and so i like wish i had that yeah there are films so that, that may that's... have taken mm-hmm. from this and done better but i feel like mm-hmm. ultimately like those films were made after this film so it's tough to yeah. i'm reviewing this film well to be fair but... this film was taken from yeah no it was yeah. it was yeah. <laughs> so well, and... compare this and the original yeah. that's definitely more va- valid to me to me for, yeah. Uh, yeah 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 well, and I saw the I saw the original shortly after seeing this because I was kind of obsessed mm. with it for a while, and mm. like, and so I will say, I understand what you mean about you know you have a movie that you feel strongly about, and then you watch it again later, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hold up, and that's a disappointing feeling. That that happens to me all the time. It's just this is really the only movie I can think of that still impacts me the way it did the first time I watched it, and that was a strong impact. So for yeah. whatever reason, it just hits for me. But I did see the original shortly after this movie and i feel like it does make more sense in a lot of ways but for me it's it does not have the same feeling of dread to it it's not no, as it memorable for me yeah. it, it's just not as scary if i was so... japanese maybe it would um maybe when i maybe. if i saw it the first time and and i was from japan it might have hit me differently mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. having watched it now i think it's still a good film though Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah, it nails I, the I ending. Good. The ending is still really good. Um, I, I do have one quick little thing of trivia, and it really doesn't have to do with this film per se, but it has to do with Justin. Um, I don't know if you knew Justin, <laughs> but Justin. yeah, I have a little trivia about Justin. Did you know that he likes to? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> did you know that there once was a Bioshock movie planned, and that Gore Verbinski, the director of this, he was behind the film to direct and that it was very close to becoming uh, an actual film is very close to production. I'm sorry. A what film? A Bioshock. Uh, Bioshock, which is a video oh, game uh, that me okay. and Justin really adore. Uh, yeah. Well, I, so I, I knew no, like, right. yeah, there has been like the rumors of like the movie for a while. I didn't realize that he was attached to do it. I have even seen there were floating around some, um, what are the like sketch boards yeah, or whatever? I'm gonna shoot like, you a, uh, I watched a YouTube video the other day about somebody who broke uh, down like all the stuff that happened behind the scenes of why the film never became. Yeah. And it was interesting. It was like 15 minutes long. I'll, sh- I'll shoot you a link to it. Yeah. I, it would be cool if it could ever do it, but it would need somebody who could do like a mage, like amazing set pieces. Um, yeah. Because I would be a budgetary. They just want to CGI the shit out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize. Yeah. What other films has this director done? A uh, cure uh, for wellness. Yeah, oh, I like that film. And the he, first Pirates of the Caribbean film, I believe. Oh, he wow. did like two of those, I think. He also did the Lone Ranger, which wasn't um, wasn't oh. received well. He's done a couple other things too. Um, I do like a Cure for Wellness. It all that also has too. a strong color palette, though. <laughs> that yes. also is a very green movie, different shade of green, but yeah, yeah, yeah very I, green. Like I gotta throw in one more piece of trivia. I'm so sorry, but I just have to. There was talk of David Lynch directing this movie, but okay. he turned it down. It would have just, just been the, the video. The whole yeah, thing. it would just yeah, been right. like an hour and a half an hour. long nightmare. Just images I, of I think, I think and lies and centipedes. <laughs> I might be, I might be in a mental asylum if I watched an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half of of that video by David Lynch. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for talking about one of my top three favorite movies of all time with me. Um, 
I'm glad you landed at least on the positive side, Justin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I respect, I definitely respect your your criticism and your score. I think is absolutely reasonable. So, um, you know, different things work for different people. So, um, Hydroberg and I, you know, I often feel like you and I are on similar pages with things. So, yeah, uh, I have no, someone. I'm to not mix surprised. It up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is the end of our creepy children month. Next next week will be into the month of April. No specific theme for next month, but we do have some more great guest hosts coming on for you guys to to listen to. Next week it's Hydra Hydraberg's pick again, and Whoa. we're going to be watching The Void from 2018. It's, oh damn! Or is that 2016? That in uh, in in seven days from now. In seven days, we'll be, seven days. we'll be covering another film. <laughs> seven days also happens to be the amount of time you have to watch a movie and then return it to the video store. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you can be stream that on Shutter and Tubi. Yep. And we're gonna have a special guest, returning mm-hmm. guest, Amy Burke. Oh. Now, she was a hit. So back by popular demand, yeah. Amy <laughs> yeah. Burke, uh, after after her Halloween three episode with us, people were just clamoring for more Amy. I Burke. remember listening to that one. I was I remember like I had this distinct memory of hiking on the mountain, listening to y'all talk about Halloween three with her. Yeah, <laughs> that was a That's fun so wild. Episode. Yeah, yeah so good. So I always sure to you be... guys on hikes for some reason. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I dig it. You guys are my hiking buddies. Oh, <laughs> all right. I love yeah. hiking. Actually. That's as close so, to hiking yeah. as I'm going to get. <laughs> I would love to hike. Hiking with, with Soju. <laughs> uh, yeah. So everybody check out The Void again, streaming on Shudder or Tubi. That's from 2016. And I hope everybody's looking forward to hearing Amy Burke return to our show next week. So that'll be lots of fun. In the meantime, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on the Twitter at cut above horror. You can check us out on uh, Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And you can also friend us on Facebook at a cut above colon horror review. Soju, where can they find you? Uh, <laughs> I was actually just kind of waiting for my Instagram to look. So I was like, what's our Instagram handle? <laughs> <laughs> Nine um, years and you don't yes. know your Instagram. That's handle. Bob's job. Hey, Bob handles good. those. Uh, or well, uh, yeah, because Twitter. God, I don't have a Twitter, so I uh, know sh- uh, it's S-T-R-A, underscore. Really? There you S T R A S T R A underscore. Dude, I don't know. There you go. We know. Look up straight chilling. You'll find it. Go on some social media platform. Search straight chilling, and maybe we'll pop. Yeah, you'll find it. Jesus Christ. You'll find us somewhere. I know you. YouTube.com slash uh, straight yeah, because you're in charge of that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you That's the one that. I'm in charge of. So. Yeah. Um, it's like whenever I guest appear on another podcast, I'm like, shit, I got to remember everybody else's socials now. <laughs> yes, from a, do. Not just my own. Uh, so real quick, I just want to thank everyone who has taken the time to give us a five star rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. We really appreciate those. It helps us grow. And for anyone who hasn't yet, we'd appreciate it if you could. And you guys. You guys are all the best. Everybody who listens. Love you guys. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. All All right. Well, thanks, fellas. Once again, it was a great time with you. And Hydraberg, I'll see you back next week to talk about The Void. And remember to be kind and rewind and keep it creepy.